Welcome to worship here at Covenant Presbyterian Church, when we are also delighted to worship, to welcome our guest musicians, Jim Sellers and Julie Koenig, more or less, and uh, Leslie Boyette, whom you'll hear on organ later on. I'm so glad that all of y'all are here this morning. Thank you. We um, continue to pre-register for in-person worship and to mask and to social distance while we're here and to enjoy camaraderie in the sanctuary and to give thanks for our online worshiping community. One way to participate in that community is to be mindful of our joys and concerns, uh, which is on our prayer list that goes out in the Wednesday e-blast every week. So I encourage you to be mindful of all those folks. A reminder uh, that the youth group uh, launches next week. If you have any questions, uh, you can email Susanna uh, via youth at covprezatl.org. Also, Sunday School is back, and this morning's class laid the groundwork for a new initiative that Session has just approved for us, collecting funds that will be used in refugee resettlement. And um, Heather Grimsley is going to as part of our kindness challenge. Heather. Good morning, how are you? Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, something that I think I, I mentioned at the very beginning when I launched this challenge, and that was that it sort of, for me, came um, as an effort to to rejigger myself, I was in a bad place. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was trying to think about what to say this morning and talk about was how much better I have felt. And so I hope that the things that I have been doing, the acts of kindness I have been doing, certainly help those other people. But the, the side effect for me has been so wonderful. And I hope that there are, are those of you out here or you know, giving a $10 uh, Chick-fil-A card to a guy that looks like he might need a good meal. Um, whatever that might be, certainly those things would be good for that person, but I hope that you are also experiencing that uplifting for yourself. I know that certainly it has helped me um, in the last 12 days. So um, I hope that you are excited and doing that and finding a benefit to it. Um, we are today collecting school supplies. If anybody has those and has not given them to me, um, we all stay at the back of the church um, today. Miss um, Mary Ellen is doing a wonderful job. Uh, Vanna White is, uh, should look out for her job description. Um, and um, I will be working, um, actually Sue Calusi and I are gonna coordinate on finding a school program that could, that is much, is, is very deserving, so. Um, we are going to be, uh, next Sunday, our contribution is going to be made, um, it was originally going to be made to the Atlanta Food Bank, but um, one of the benefits of this is I've been connecting with different people that I don't normally collect, connect with in the church, and Mickey Hubbard uh, is involved with in-town community ministry, and they actually do, um, have, have taken over the food bank um, responsibilities of BCM. So, and they get their food from Atlanta Food Bank. So, <laughs> rather than sort of doing the middleman thing, we're gonna give directly to them. Um, they need any kind of uh, canned meat, so chicken, tuna, fish of any kind, really. Um, soup, um, please remember when you're doing canned, if at all possible, to do the um, pop-top cans. 
Um, and then cereal, um, stable milk, oh, I'm sorry, shelf stable milk, I don't know why I can't say that. Um, and then any kind of instant, um, either oatmeal or grits. Also, and this was, I don't know why you don't think about this, this was one of those aha moments. Um, gallon Ziploc bags or even just the grocery, the plastic grocery bags that you get when you go to Publix, um, that's what they kind of gather up the food for the people. So if you have those, um, even if it just, for this week when you go to Publix, rather than throwing those bags away, if you could put them you know, in a little bag or something and bring them to us, I think they would be very grateful. So, so that is next Sunday's um, act of kindness that we, we can do together. Um, and then as a spoiler alert, and, and uh, Lee uh, alluded to, uh, we did make a bit of a change um, based on events of the world. Um, we had originally, we were going to do um, some sanitary bags for homeless, um, but um, with everything going on in the world, um, and in particular with the Afghani refugees, we are going to um, be taking in donations and creating some welcome boxes. Uh, Sue works with um, that we will be, uh, hopefully, long-term, it will not be a one-time um, work with them, but we'll, this is our sort of our maiden voyage with them. Um, and so we think we can do these welcome boxes for about 100 to $150 uh, a piece. Again, think about this. This is somebody moving into a place that has nothing. Um, you know, so, so they don't have light bulbs, for example, or a shower curtain. So things like that will be in the box. But we'll be taking donations and then putting those boxes together and, and Sue will help facilitate getting them to the right place. So that will be not next week, but the week after. Um, and then mission is meeting today, just as a reminder for those on mission, um, we'll meet downstairs um, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about what we will do um, for a bigger project for them. Thank you. Thank you, Heather, and thank you for your leadership, and thank you, Sue, for your leadership, especially with the refugee resettlement. Friends, all of this is part of our shared life that we are called to by God. Right now, our calling is to be here in the sanctuary and online to worship through scripture and prayer and music. So let us prepare our hearts and minds for the worship of Almighty God. Good morning, covenanting guests here in the sanctuary and you who are worshiping online. Please join me in our communal call to worship as you find it in the bulletin. I love the Lord because God has heard my voice and my supplications. When I was brought low, God saved me. God has delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling.
You have heard me say it before, and you will hear me say it again, that confession is when we stand before God and say, this is what it's like to be human. And we say that to a God who knows what it is to be human and who loves us in all of our humanity, even as this God calls us to something even beyond that. So confident of God's love, I invite you to stand and join me in the prayer of confession printed in your bulletin. Eternal God, we confess that it is so much simpler to say we follow Jesus than actually to do it. We accept more easily the ways of the world than the strange way of the cross. We love the obviously lovely and the readily lovable. We promote our self-interest instead of denying it. We seek our own gain over the welfare of others. We aim to save our lives, not to lose them. Forgive us and teach us to be faithful. Amen. Lord does indeed have mercy on us, knowing our every weakness and yet loving us still. And so, friends, know that you are forgiven and be at peace with God and one another. So, in demonstration of that, we are invited to share the peace of Christ with one another in gesture and word, staying where you are right now. The peace of Christ be with you all.
in preparation for hearing God's word, let us pray a prayer of illumination. Gracious Lord, like Nicodemus, we come to the word with many questions. Like the Pharisees, we can be captivated by correctness, intent on right answers. As we turn to your word, do not let our desire for information dominate our need for transformation. Let us hear the word and be moved to greater faith and obedience. Amen. Our Old Testament scripture this morning is the 116th Psalm, beginning with verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, and God is merciful. The Lord protects the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, beginning with verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Jesus said all of this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at the disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? This too is the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. has distinct memories of the day that was 20 years ago yesterday. If you lost a loved one on that day, our hearts go out to you. Most of us did not suffer that deep a blow, and yet we still carry heavy, though less terrible, less deeply tragic recollections of that terrible, tragic day. My recollections of it include talking with our then 10-year-old son, Malcolm. Now, I, like everybody, was thoroughly in shock and really struggling to make any sense at all of any of it. And I try to hold that fact in mind as I remember that one of the things I said to my dear little boy was something awfully close to, this will be one of the most important days of your entire life. What an awful, stupid thing to say. And so, in addition to distinct memories of the day that was 20 years ago yesterday, I have a distinct memory of the day that was 20 years ago today, when I again sat down with Malcolm and said something like, Honey, I was wrong yesterday when I said that that was one of the most important days of your life. It wasn't. I was freaked out and not making much sense, and I'm sorry. The most important days of your life won't be like that at all. There'll be days when you're amazed by beautiful things, days when you're laughing with joy, days when you are doing good things to help someone, days when you're with the people who love you, days that make you feel hopeful. Those are the most important days. I hope he believed me. And I think we are all challenged to believe that our most important days are defined by divine things, hope, joy, love, rather than human things like hate, destruction, fear. In addition to memories uh, from 20 years ago, I have a memory from 19 years ago last night. I remember driving home from choir rehearsal, and there was a program radio telling the story of what had happened in marking the first anniversary of 9-11, and it was recounting an event from that previous year. You see, every September, London gets a little wacky with the event known as Last Night of the Proms, which is the famous finale of the Promenade concert series in Royal Albert Hall. For a hundred years or so, that event had featured rousing crowd favorites like Rule Britannia and Pomp and Circumstance and the theme from Monty Python's Flying Circus. But there in the wake of 9-11, the musicians knew that wacky wasn't appropriate for the Saturday immediately following that awful Tuesday. So for that year's concert, they did away with the crowd-pleasing standards, 
substituting Samuel Barber's haunting adagio for strings, and a defiant ode to joy from Beethoven's Ninth. And Leonard Slatkin, the first American ever to conduct Last Night of the Proms, explained it this way, unity through music is now the message, and we can use our sounds to help underscore the long healing process that must take place. What I remember most from that drive home from choir rehearsal that night 19 years ago was when after their traditional opening of everyone standing and singing God Save the Queen, they stayed standing to sing the Star Spangled Banner. I've never been an especially patriotic person, and that just wasn't the point, as through my car radio came the sound of that enormous concert hall full of British voices, and you could really hear that they were British on certain lines like, the bombs bursting in air. British voices singing an American song written during a battle between their nation and ours. Coming through my car radio, I heard divine things. Unity, compassion, healing as they surpassed human things like nationalism, war, pride. This morning's worship service includes commemorating the 20th anniversary of 9-11, but our primary purpose is to give glory to God, to seek after divine things rather than fixating on human things. Upholding that purpose, we turn to our text. It's intriguing that this passage, which is the pivot point at which Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem, this passage is Mark's version of the temptation of Christ. Now, this is not Jesus' first encounter with the one he calls Satan, the one who is God's adversary. Back in the very first chapter of this gospel, right after Jesus is baptized, Mark tells us that he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. One sentence. That's all Mark gives that encounter. Matthew and Luke, by contrast, dramatize it as a spectacular showdown between the devil and Jesus. You've likely heard it. Turn this stone into bread. One does not live by bread alone. Serve me, and all earthly powers will be yours. Serve only God. Throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, and surely God will catch you. Do not put your Lord, the God, to the test. It's great stuff. But Mark skips it. Mark simply states that Jesus was tempted by Satan. No juicy details, no smackdown replies until now. Today's text is a rematch between human things and divine things. Coming into it, Jesus is on a roll. He has banished 
demons and walked on water, stilled storms and healed people. He has fed 5,000, he has fed 4,000, and he has ticked off the authorities at every turn. He is a rock star. But being a rock star is a human thing, not at all like the divine things that Jesus is about. So he does this reality check with those closest to him. Who do people say that I am? The disciples answer, and you can see them watching Jesus out of the corner of their eye, hoping to catch some small smile that will tell them they're getting warm. John the Baptist? Elijah, one of the prophets. Jesus merely asks a follow-up question. Who do you say that I am? And Peter's hand shoots up. Ooh, ooh, I know, I know, you are the Messiah. When Jesus immediately starts talking about suffering, rejection, and death as being what the Messiah has come to do, Peter pulls him aside. Jesus, what are you doing? They love us, and you're the Messiah. Everything's going great. Don't ruin it. And Jesus just lets him have it. Get behind me, Satan. This, of course, is where the temptation theme comes clear. The temptation of Christ has to do with our never-out-of-style preference for human things over divine things. Come on, Jesus, we still want to say, be the conquering hero Messiah that we want, not the suffering servant Messiah that God intends. But Jesus is declaring his commitment to endure the depth of human suffering. Jesus, the incarnation of divine things, turns to the whole crowd, and that includes us. And he begins speaking not only of how he must suffer, but also insisting that anyone who would be his disciple must also deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him into the reality of human suffering. To deny ourselves is not a matter of giving up, as Sharon Dowd put it, of abandoning all sense of self. It does not mean giving up certain pleasures or desires. It means, rather, abandoning all claims to self-definition and accepting and asserting God's program for and God's claim upon our life. It is allowing divine things to supersede human things. And to take up our cross is to bear upon our bodies and bear within our souls the priority of the Christ. And you know those priorities, church. They are divine things justice and mercy, righteousness and grace, reconciliation with neighbor and with God. And so, to follow Jesus is to walk in the way of those divine things, following Jesus into solidarity with all who suffer, focused not on self, but on service. That calling is so much bigger 
than we are, so much bigger than human things. It is the holy invitation to live our little lives in ways that give our little lives, in ways that let our lives participate in the eternal life of God, which we know in the person of Jesus Christ does not shy away from the sufferings of the world. September 11, 2001, was a day when that suffering all but overwhelmed us. When the forces of evil that still work in opposition to God's will seemed to triumph. But they cannot ultimately prevail because they are focused on human things like violence, nihilism, death. We are called to focus on divine things, hope, joy, love unity, compassion, healing, justice and mercy, righteousness and grace, reconciliation, and the huge truth that God's goodness is greater than evil. That is the message we are called to carry into the midst of suffering. The parallels that are being drawn between 9-11 and the pandemic seem imprecise. And yet there is a similar feeling now in our sense of vulnerability and anxiety and in the overwhelming reality of suffering. And in this time, as in that time 20 years ago, we need to hold on to the knowledge that Christ is with those who suffer. And he calls us into solidarity with that suffering, too. Church, let's help one another hold on to that so that we rise above human things and pursue instead divine things. In closing, I want to share part of a poem that was written five years ago by the Reverend Steve Garnis Holmes. Fifteen years after 9-11, what is worth remembering? How fragile we are. How deeply we need each other. How little our differences matter. That in our vulnerability, we are most true to ourselves. That we can always respond to violence with violence or with peace, and that violence begets violence, that in danger, chaos, and trauma, we can choose to come together, that you always have a choice to contribute to the world's hurt or its healing, that we are one, and that entering into the world's suffering is divine. And all God's people say, Amen. Having heard the word proclaimed and knowing 
from where comes the gifts and blessings we receive. Let us receive a portion of those gifts back to God for the purpose of serving Christ in the world. We're not passing a plate. There are plates at all of the exits, and there's a handy QR code in the bulletin if you wish to contribute online.
Let us pray. God of grace and God of glory, grant us the wisdom to remember lessons from 9-11 that can make us more Christ-like. May our memories compel us to acts of kindness, words of love, and demonstrations of unity. May the images of the helpers, firefighters, police officers, ordinary citizens, inspire us to be helpers in your name. The world still heaves with violence, and war seems never to end, so please reassure us, O Prince of Peace, that ultimately mourning and crying will be no more. And in the midst of suffering, speak again, O God, your word of life and its goodness. Thank you, Lord of all, for the people who every day still offer themselves to serve others. Hear our prayers for all first responders, for medical personnel, for educators, for volunteers. Grant them your strength and peace. As we consider the events of 20 years ago, grant us the ability to cling to the examples of goodness that emerged from the horror. Strangers banding together to thwart further carnage. People lining up to donate blood. Congregations opening their doors to offer respite for anyone and everyone. May we emulate such acts of mercy that they reverberate through history, revealing your sure power to bring redemption, reconciliation, and resurrection out of suffering. Whenever we mark anniversaries of sorrow, may they be occasions to discern the divine things that truly matter and to let go of the human things that really don't and to recognize your grace Almighty God, which pervades it all. In the name of Jesus Christ, true Messiah, suffering servant, Prince of Peace, amen. And today, our prayers continue as we sing hymn 340. <laughs>
Amen. Another memory that many of us have that relates to 9-11 is the minutes of silence that have been used over the years uh, to honor the victims. In the spirit of those moments, and still mindful that our primary purpose is to glorify God, our musicians will now share with us Mozart's Laudate Dominum, which translates as praise to God. While you listen, if you prefer a guided meditation, there are two questions printed in your bulletin.
gentle reminder that one of the ways we keep one another safe is to visit outside. I'm told that I say this every week and yet people stay here to visit, so I'm saying it one more time. Outside, please, after the benediction and the prelude, we will be out on the front plaza and we'll greet one another there. But first, the benediction. Beloved of God, follow Jesus into this world that God so loves, this world of beauty and of suffering, knowing that as you go, you will be accompanied by that most divine thing of all, the love of God. Amen.